it's it's another day in the Oscar bait house. Yeah. Know, yeah, the, yeah, the zone. We're in the zone. We're taking another break from Jess Franco because one, we can only pump so many of his movies into our head at a given time without like going, you know, getting on a list somewhere. And well, when we're doing like, it's truly as much as we love him, watching 14 of his movies a week very strictly for two months really starts to alter you. So we, we took a breath for our sake and for yours. Um, Cause we want you to keep also being interested. <laughs> I had to go to the hospital and, you know, get a CT scan and it just looked like a, a vagina. That's what they, that's what it looked after watching so much Jess Franco. So we're gonna we're gonna take a break from all the softcore erotic thrills that that guy well, does. Well, okay, maybe we're not taking that much of a break from that. But now we have someone to offset and you know crank up the perversity in here in a much more intelligent way. Yes. Right? You like that? I thought that was a good way to That was good. <laughs> we are joined by our pal Olivia Wilkie today, who wrote a fantastic article about Paul Schrader's The Canyons. Yep. And uh, we've been wanting to talk about this movie for a while as part of our unofficial talk about films of the last 10, 20 years that didn't quite get their due and probably smoke harder than they ever have. Yep. Yeah, so. and we got we got excited when we read your piece because uh, I won't name everyone by name, but even the people who did love this movie when it came out and those have loved it since, most of the writing on it sucks. So that's that's uh, true, unfortunately, <laughs> very true. <laughs> so yeah. we're excited today to have not Richard Brody, but to have <laughs> you, Olivia, to join us on the show. So welcome. Well, thank you, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Yeah, Richard had, he was picking food out of his beard. We couldn't get him on here. So. Uh, you know, I, I'm grateful for him for keeping the flame alive. Yeah. You know, there yeah. is, I'm, anyone who loves the canyons, I'm happy about that, but. Right. You know, he had a kind of, uh, a kind of uh, throwing it back in your face feeling like, look, I liked this before you guys did. Um, yeah. This article, <laughs> I was like, oh boy. Yeah, because that's from what 2013, right? The one. Yeah, from when it first came out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this. I mean, I still have a bone to pick with that guy with that stupid Godard book that he wrote, where it just turned into like (laughs) Godard's body count. It was like, who fucking cares? I forgot about that. Oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) Turns out everything is not cinema. (laughs) Yeah. No Brody today, but that's okay. We have lovely Olivia. So welcome to the. uh, Whatever I call it, the, the, the house zone. The house, the house of Oscar bait. <laughs> yeah, the Oscar bait. Yeah, house of Oscar bait. <laughs> Love it. That's going to be the Ridley Scott sequel to uh, House of Gucci, I'm sure. Oh, please. <laughs> Let me do my Italian accent, please. <laughs> yeah, I thought those were bad. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, oh. has anyone seen the Ferrari trailer yet? I'm not going to watch it. I'm also not going to watch. I'm not a trailer girl. I like to go in blind. I'm okay. Then I was going to say, I haven't watched either. So okay. <laughs> All on the same page. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of great stuff we bring you here is to let you know that none of us watch. 
<laughs> you shouldn't watch trailers. Is it yeah. probably? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, because I I had the same thought as you all. Like, what if it? What if it looks like shit? The trailer. Yeah. And yeah. what if it's misleading and it could give away something? And I don't know. There's just too, it's too much. Yeah. Yeah. So I think trailers like need to either get better at being honest or go truly back to the old style and just lie completely. That I'm here for. I love a good, like, you know, circus tent sneak oil pitch for a movie to get you in the door. So that'd be fine. But this is do you remember the trailer for the new world that came out in like 2006 that made it look like it was like Troy? Yeah. <laughs> no, but that sounds awful. Oh my God. <laughs> or maybe that's great. I don't know. Either great or awful. <laughs> it's pretty shocking if you, you know, you know the movie and then you watch that trailer now. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not as adrenaline pumping as one might think. <laughs> Can you but just imagine these slop heads in like, you know, middle America where I grew up and they're just going into that like, boy, this looks like fun. And then it's just shots of like trees. I'm sure I'm sure someone had their like life perspective changed from that experience. <laughs> they're like, I've never thought about nature as it relates to this creepy dude dating a teenager. This is so good. <laughs> All right. Well, not as hard of a pivot away from that, but um, oh, we off top since because we'll forget. Uh, this comes uh, probably today, so yeah. Saturday. Yeah, we're gonna turn this around fast. Some, somehow, Saturday, September second, Music Box Theater. We will be showing William Friedkin Sorcerer and a special little tribute video that we put together that we really had fun doing. So. And we actually finished it. It's it's at the theater. We did it. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. And if the audio suffers, it's because I had to stay here to record this Canyons podcast. So my fault. It's gonna fall on Olivia. So <laughs> be clear with that. And then yeah, we'll uh September twenty-seventh, we'll have highs and lows returning with rollerball and prison on fire. If you find yourself tired from the uh, Draft House's new series of double features that is brilliantly inspired by something, I don't know what, you can come check ours out too, you know? Everyone loves double features, even when they're put together by people who've maybe seen 10 movies in their life, so. Well, that's our new that's our new gimmick. Starting January 1st, all highs and lows will be hosted by one Nia DaCosta, so don't worry. <laughs> We got her. We'll show you Draft House. You steal our idea. We'll steal Nia DaCosta. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then, yeah, before we dive in, because we always forget, if you want to give us money and help us survive, you can join our Patreon. Uh, and also, we got oh, Olivia. You'd like this. We we sometimes when we don't have time to record a proper bonus episode, we just give people movies that are really hard to find, and we sent them one of our favorite in the Jess Franco world of the deep cuts, but uh, it definitely veers a little too close to the adult cinema world and Patreon let us let us know we couldn't send out. Oh no, oh my God, <laughs> oh boy, they flagged it. They too did. Much too much hole. Yep. Too yeah. Much. I, yeah, I don't think there's that much hole in the movie like until you see it and then you're like, I guess this it's is the, pretty. It's the cum shot, that's what did it. I'm sure okay. there's a box. Yeah. That's that's on. The it looks like shot. it looks like Cetaphil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true. But you know, anyway, if you join, 
we'll just send you movies directly now so patreon doesn't get mad at us um but yeah all right look we did it we got the business out of the way this is we good got the business out of the way let's talk Stabilizing about force here today yeah yeah normally that takes another like 40 minutes and then we're like shit we haven't done anything yet yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we're going to talk about one of our most favorite filmmakers paul schrader and I pers especially after this rewatch, I gotta say, I always loved this movie, but it's really shot to the top for me now. Um, talk about his movie The Canyons and all things surrounding it. Yeah, it's uh it's it only grows more and more prescient. And I mean it's it's something that's like so retrospectively like haunting and I can understand how it was so so discarded. I mean it's shot almost like a porn. It's very sterile. Um, James Dean is there acting and that can be, um, you know, a con to some, but yeah, I think, I think it's one of Schrader's, I think it signals like his, I don't know, his in tuneness, I guess with, um, kind of the social climate at the time and, um kind of paved the way for for stuff like the man in a room trilogy and uh first reformed and stuff like that tackling kind of this sinister underbelly of i don't know american society mm -hmm. yeah. if that makes any sense absolutely, oh, yeah. absolutely. no absolutely. i mean rewatching it i mean this is like this has always been one of my favorites of his and yeah, this might be maybe my favorite now rewatching of his late period, just because like you're saying what it says about society, but almost more specifically like L.A. and Hollywood now. Oh, yeah. And yeah. It, it's even more shocking now because, you know, I think at the time, a lot of people let's take the openings, for instance, right? Like the the shots of all the closed movie theaters like. When that came out, I know a lot of people had a knee-jerk reaction of like, oh, movies are dying, huh? Mm -hmm. And now it's like, well, they are. So, yeah. and, you know, it's not, you drive around anywhere in this country and you're going to see a lot of closed movie houses and, or when they get converted to like gyms, my favorite multiplex is now like a, some sort of orange theory or some shit in Kansas City. And it's even funnier that he he was kind of doing this already with cat people. I think there's that scene in there where they go to that church and it's like an old movie theater. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Oh my God. Yeah. So it struck me that like he's taking, I think it was a quote that he said, like he, he wanted to take like the guts and the leftover remnants of the movie making industry and like use those to create this like new type of movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I think especially like, he has been so put through the ringer by the studio system. And I think that he in this movie, especially is grappling a lot with um, Hollywood and um, the systems that he operate has to operate within artistically and uh, to, to just generally make money and kind of maybe he, he himself feeling kind of discarded, um, especially in this era of his career. I mean, movies were being taken away from him by the studio and re-edited and all of this stuff. And so I I can get how at the time people were were kind of rolling their eyes at at 
like the obviousness of these empty crumbling theaters and and it just being so on the nose but i think looking back on it it's like everything this movie looking back on it it's so um it's so ahead of its time and so so prescient and and hints at a lot of things to come that i think schrader had more of an eye on than you know the critics that were lampooning this this film i think too i get it made me think of actually after we me and john watched master gardener at the music box mm-hmm. when it played in the critics fest oh yeah yeah, yeah. hearing the reactions from it was fun because it was basically a sold out crowd and there were a lot of people who clearly were not only Schrader heads but definitely didn't watch movies like that normally <laughs> right uh, yeah I like, was there so many oh yeah, you were there too yeah I was there too yeah oh shit before we knew each other look yeah. at that wow look at that we were preparing <laughs> for this then we didn't even realize <laughs> But so many people, like, I remember hearing them talk about the stiffness and some of the dialogue and the delivery. And we were talking and a group of people outside, they were like, but if you, and I think it works with this movie too, and a lot of Schrader's second half of his career, if you made them 4-3 and you put them in black and white and they were in French or whichever other European language, people immediately, I think, would be like, wow, the poetry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's because it's he... He's one of the only filmmakers uh, I think that we have in America who loves that style so much, but refuses to alter it for American audiences, especially in the second half where he's like, no, that's how, that's how people talk in my world. So, <laughs> you know, like deal with it. But it's, I think it, it has that power if you can just let it do its thing and stop, you know, put the, put those things aside that it's not going to move like a normal, uh, you know, quote unquote, normal American movie. And I don't think I don't think it's actually unnatural. I think it's just a, a very uh, different way of looking at the very world, the very real world that he makes his shit about, you know? Yeah, I, I don't think his his films are unnatural at all. I think they're they're definitely stylized and the way that he directs his actors to deliver dialogue is is I can see how people think it's flat or stiff, but um yeah, I think that's a great a great observation, actually. Um, I mean, you know, looking at First Reformed compared to, like, Diary of a Country Priest, it's the, the way that the actors are directed is the same. They, they deliver dialogue the same way. And, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, you're right that he's, he's an American director that takes his influences um seriously and to the point where he can be maybe labeled an imitator but i think that he's uh kind of he's trailblazing in american cinema just because he won't alter himself yep yeah Mm -hmm. and like in the imitator charges i mean obviously like a frenemy of his has received the same charges like uh brian de palma you know, but they're really not like they're not really like 
imitating because clearly what he's doing or maybe it is imitation but it's of the most like I, this is exactly what i'm doing because you think of like american gigolo with the uh the pickpocket ending i mean he loves to do the pickpocket ending but so many times <laughs> but it's like kind of like it's the same way De Palma wants to keep shooting those psycho shower scenes you know like and he goes with american gigolo to throw in the actual music from pickpocket to just be sure that you know like this is exactly what I'm doing. Right. Trying to pull the wool over your eyes and steal this. Like, this is very clearly what that is. And I think, like, he's always, I mean, maybe the style has changed a bit, but I have, you know, one thing has remained true since he's become a director with Blue Collar is that he, he knows America and what guides and runs America better than most people who call themselves quote unquote progressive filmmakers i mean blue collar that movie should be required viewing in like all schools to show how our political machinations worked against us mm -hmm. and also that he loves going with the times and the trends i mean he he went with richard pryor for that movie you know he went with david bowie for cat people like <laughs> He he then gets he gets like uh, Michael J. Fox for Light of Day gets you know all the you know all this stuff so now it's like it doesn't seem like a crazy um, extension of him to work with Lindsay Lohan and James Dean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. I do love though that he was, if I'm remembering this correctly, it was a <laughs> it was very much Brady Sinalis's idea uh, for James Dean. And not traders, who was pretty uh, hesitant. He was pretty opposed, straight up to to James <laughs> Dean, actually. And I'm, I could, I mean, I could see why. And I'm sure yeah. it was it was a, a hassle directing him because. Oh, I, I can imagine. He's just yeah. He's not gonna like budge an inch. He he has a certain way that he acts that he learned during porn. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was it was Brett Easton Ellis courted James Dean and wrote this role for him specifically, like said, OK, James Dean, I'm going to write a script for you. And and I, I, I mean, it's it's unreal how eerie it turned out to be um, yeah. following the, the very um, almost immediately after the film's release, the revelation of. Um, his uh, sexual assault history and um, just inappropriate behavior on set and all of this stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's Brett Easton Ellis must have like seen something, seen something in him and, and been like, okay, this is, this is you. And I think that he may be a bad actor in it, but I think maybe he's just closer to being himself than people realize in that film. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think so. too, like one of the things you um, bring up a couple different ways in your article, but uh, that I think works with the big Schrader picture we're talking about too is oftentimes, especially with like the you know the stunt casting of sorts that he it, that he does like to do and has always liked to do. I think a huge part of it and why he's so smart is because he likes the fact that you can't separate these people from their life and the gossip rags and all that shit. And I think that's why it works so horrifically. Even if none of the stuff ever came out about Dean, it would still 
be insane how much weight this movie has just starting because we know who Dean is. We know where Lindsay's at in her life and all that's going on and like how rough it is. And that comes into every single scene. And so it, I don't know for me, like it, I'm not even sure if it's about good or bad acting. I feel like they just both were willing for whatever reason to put exactly what was going on in their lives into a, into a, you know, fake story technically, but they're just acting out what's happening. And it hits so hard. It hits so hard. The last time in the movie when Lindsay cries, got my ass real bad this morning. Oh Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it has this weird feeling of, of, I don't know. Uh, like blending uh, real life with fiction and not knowing the boundaries of the artwork, which I really, really like about it. And I think that that can be really uncomfortable and maybe was uncomfortable at the time to an extent that people didn't really understand. But I think it's the strong point of the film now. Yeah, it's especially taking like what we were saying about he's trying to take the remains of this movie making industry. And, you know, I mean, what's a better way to kind of marry like the Disney channel aesthetic with like, you know, X hamster, you know, like these, you know, these things that now are the thing that kind of are the blood and oil that drives this machine because the movie, like, so on one hand, like it really is a, a, a very good snapshot of Los Angeles and Hollywood specifically. Like you can feel that air, you can feel the sun, but you can also feel that anxiety that seethes underneath it, that everything, you know, it's so hacked to be like, oh, you're, Hollywood's full of lies, man. But it's like the way he does it is very smart in like the scene where Lindsay has lunch with uh, the character Gina and they're yeah. like talking about everything and you're like oh that's nice they're just talking and then the scene ends with the one character who's probably like has something of a moral compass like is like oh yeah i was also just spying on her that whole right. thing was a deception even like the the horrifying you know uh, gang rape accusation scene that turns out to also be so it's it does yeah. leave you like constantly being like i don't really know what is real like who's telling the truth who has like the most yeah and and well people haven't seen the ending we won't spoil the ending but you know it just really drives that point home and it's one of the most bitter movies and also one of the best satires of hollywood that we've had like even cronenberg couldn't do it with maps to the stars in the way that schrader could do it you know he's got a little too much ontario in him schrader It has seen the ugliness of Hollywood probably more than any, you know, most people. And that this is kind of, it's a little bit after, but that it's coming off of the, the exorcist fiasco. I do think he's trying to maybe point that out with like this creation of this cheap horror film. I feel like that might be a reference to it. I love to like how it, we we've mentioned the look of it a bit already, but that's still one of the biggest things. A lot of people tell me is what they can't get past. They're like how cheap it looks, but I love his commitment to that. Like one, as you said, it looks like porn, you know, and that's a great choice for this story, but also the LA that he puts up in this movie looks and feels exactly like what happens when you bottom out in Los Angeles when you are finally strung out and you're out of money 
and you've ruined everything and you walk around this, you know, city of fucking hope and dreams and all that shit. It looks and feels exactly like this goddamn movie. Like it's horrible. It's just horrible. And how it's many amazing fla- he captures it. Like <laughs> how many flashbacks did this give you, Will? Oh, dude, that was part of the thing. Cause it's been a couple of years. Oh yeah, too too many. I was like, damn, I'm like so many of these fucking zombies just walking around in the background of this. And like when they go to Amoeba also, because like I used to buy drugs in that parking lot in the basement there, like where he where he beats the kid up who's following him. <laughs> Such a weird place to buy drugs. Well, you, it's it's like right it in right all there. of Los Angeles. You chose the parking garage of Amoeba. No, you don't choose. That's why drugs are so bad in LA. You just text all the different people who you know if someone's around and they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah I'll be in the parking lot of Amoeba in five minutes because they knew I was working at the Egyptian. So I could just run over there. <laughs> well, um, I mean, wait, wait, wait. I've never seen any other movie that captures that horrible feeling of once LA has truly chewed you up and spit you out. This whole movie feels like that and he gets it and it's amazing. And poor Lindsay. I do love the amiibo shot because it is like, <laughs> yep, I've walked up and down those stairs. That's really, it, it's also interesting now thinking of that movie because amoeba is no longer there. No, it's, it switched locations. Yeah. 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 And I, I I will point out in that scene, he's also wearing a Cantor's Deli tee. So it's like, he's really in LA guys. This is really right. LA. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> Hit it home there. Absolutely. And even taking it further with that scene, Schrader's basically redoing scenes from American Gigolo yeah. with with uh, Richard Gere being followed. Even Richard Gere goes into the Tower Records that is no longer there and repeats yeah. the same scene and confronts someone. Why are you following me? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it could be just him making an homage to like one of his other L.A. set films. But to me, along with like the like the the images of the the shut down movie houses he's it's almost like he's trying to show you how far of a leap we've even come from the 1980s where we've how far we've come from american gigolo and now we're seeing kind of like this ghost of american gigolo play itself out on this like mini dv camera mm-hmm. it's fascinating mm-hmm. yeah uh, I, I didn't i'll go ahead no 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 you 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 go for it i was just going to say a detail i never noticed and I don't know if it's him being snarky. It probably is because it's Schrader. But the scene when uh, Christian goes to force the producer to uh, pretend that they're kicking the kid off the movie unless he fucks him. Right. I'd never noticed what that poster is on the wall. Uh, but it's an, it's an apocalypse now. Like, I don't know if it's like a Japanese poster or what, but it's apocalypse now because he makes sure to frame his head where you can see at the very bottom that in English it says apocalypse now. Oh, I but never time, noticed that. I never noticed. And I was like, shit, is he? Because in my head, I was like, do you think that's him? Because right around this time is where Coppola has like another attempt at a rebirth, which he botched terribly. And so I was like, is that you saying to Hollywood, like, how many times can Coppola burn everything down and y'all keep bringing him back and giving him budgets? <laughs> but look where I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now let's let's talk about a few things regarding the movie. We'll, we'll we'll attempt to put a little structure into this here. Where was Lindsay with her career at this point as an actress? Because this is now like, I mean, this is well than a decade past like Mean Girls 
and stuff like that. So how long is it after like I know who killed me? Um, I know uh, who killed me was two. Uh, I want to say two thousand six or seven. I was going to say two thousand nine, but maybe two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. Yeah. Okay. Two thousand seven. Okay. Yeah. So this. So, is, no, go ahead. Oh no, no! I'm just thinking, doing the math in my head, which could take a while. So you should probably. <laughs> Was that like her last? Was I know who killed me? Her last like feature role until the canyons, or did she have some? She was in that shitty machete movie. Oh, okay. That's the only thing I can think of. Let's see. I will. I'll fact check our conversation. There you go. (laughs) As we say at the top, we are professionals here, so. Just because our normal fact checkers who are definitely on staff uh, that work for us are on vacation. Okay, so. understandable, yeah. <laughs> okay, and let's see. So we have, yeah, we knew who killed me 2007. Oh, shit. That brutal movie Labor Pains in 2009. Labor Pains? I never saw it. Oh. Oh, my God. Unless you want to be really sad, like... If you want to get in the headspace, probably of her character, what she's in in the canyons, maybe watch Labor Pains. Um, so then it's that tiny roll in Machete. And then otherwise, really nothing happens except some random yeah. shorts that she's in. And then in 2013, she's in something called Inappropriate Comedy and then Scary Movie 5 and then also the canyons. Um, okay. Okay. And which also, I had forgotten that she actually produces this movie too. Right. That's right. Yeah. Which is pretty wild. I think there's a there's some sort of reason for that. I don't a contractual reason. I'm not sure. I know that she had to be like really um a lot of like contracts and stuff to keep her locked in because her behavior on set was so erratic and she was so in the depths of addiction at that time um that like i they didn't want her to be kicked off that movie like that was that was like the only movie that she was really like making an income from i guess um and uh so it was important that she she remain there so there was a lot of red tape about like you know having her um stick stick the landing with this so that's probably that's maybe why she was a producer on it probably also to get a real paycheck because i uh had forgotten to till this morning that if the reports are true the way they worked out the deals was all the actors got paid a hundred dollars a day that's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So she yeah. probably was like, I will do that if also I get residuals forever. You know, right. whatever. Yeah. Oh, those um, sweet canyons residuals. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd forgotten too that it was like fucking full on crowdfunded, which also yeah. only adds to like his venom about hollywood how perfect (laughs) it started with a lot of praise or like like excitement that it was happening if i recall like people were like this movie's being crowdfunded oh shit kanye west is cutting a a trailer for (laughs) it yeah Yeah, Yeah, his his recut trailer (laughs) we got a miracle and imperil on board like (laughs) this movie's (laughs) gonna cook and then it comes out and everyone hates it and I wonder if that was because I know her and Schrader 
Lindsay and Schrader had issues post movie. I believe that she, he accused her of not promoting the movie. And I guess she might have disappeared because she went back to rehab is, I don't know. Do we have the, anyone know the background on that? I don't, I, there's a, there's an incredible, uh, I think it's New York times article about, um, the production of this that goes into all of that. I think that she, right. I remember that article now. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're correct in that. Like pretty much after, right after filming, she went into rehab and couldn't promote, could, basically couldn't promote the film. Um, which I understand the, the frustration on Schrader's part, but, um, I mean, she hung in there for filming and that's, that's a feat in and of itself. I mean, like you can see, I mean, I don't know, like, I don't want to speculate, but just like you could see in her eyes, like her, she's puffy. Like she's, she looks like she's crying all the time. I mean, she's really chain smoking in the film. Um, and, uh, you know, at, 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 at some points, um, there's rumors, which I think are probably factual, that she was performing while drunk and that made it into the film. Um, particularly mm-hmm. like that scene um, where she comes home from meeting uh, Ta- Tara and uh, no, I'm sorry, Tara is her name, the yoga instructor, Cynthia, and um, where he's just accused, she's just accused um, Dean of roofing her and gang raping her. Um, and she confronts uh, Dean Christian. Um, apparently she was like wasted during, during that scene. Well, and that seems crazy, too, because that moment, like, while she's accusing him and he's trying to refute it, like, of course, she keeps chugging wine, but she also right. grabs a pill <laughs> bottle and takes a pill whilst, like, it's it, uh, yep. it's just so dark. And I in that moment, too, I was like, I don't know if that was part of the plan for this scene or if Lindsay's just going off, because it really yeah. feels pretty, pretty uh, accidentally realistic. Organic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's something to like her appearance which is a little gruffer and i don't mean like i'm taking shots at Lindsay. we love you Lindsay. but like you know she does look like she's a little crumpled and beat up and it does really add to the drama of it because you can sense that the like we'll put it this way if Lindsay was looking as fresh-faced as we all know Lindsay and most of her movies her character would not have the pathos that it takes to get through the rest of the movie because she like she has a lot of lines in the movie but most of the power is just kind of those scenes of her listening to people talk like i think that opening so brilliant where you don't see anyone's mouths talking for like a good couple seconds because it's trying to get you to focus on these faces because like yeah james dean's not a good actor He's probably the worst part performance wise of the movie, but I, I I buy that he comes across as this confused little piece of shit rich boy. And it, it does go beyond a normal sense of like good acting because there really isn't anyone in the movie who you would say like no one's doing Richard Gere or Laura Hutton from American Gigolo. Right. But like, who gives a shit like the movie's like a fucked up version or the more real version of like an entourage episode. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. 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 That's the first time you've brought up entourage on this show, which is a lot for the record that I have been happy. And I agree with you. <laughs> I'll give it to you on that one. 
Hey, I've seen no none of these prestige shows everyone tells me to see. I don't know what Breaking Bad is. I don't know a thing about Mad Men, but I have seen all of Entourage. <laughs> My cross bear. God damn it. Yeah. I, I binged it during the pandemic. So I come on. I'm a Mark Wahlberg fan, so yeah. gotta give it to him. It's other than it has some problems, some things that may not uh, translate well to an audience nowadays. It's a pretty good little show. And yeah, this season is fun. It's fun. It does show Hollywood to be shockingly more like what it is than what you would think an entourage show would try to do. Right. Um, like there's definitely a Brett Ratner is a predator joke before all that. Oh, for that's, sure. Yeah. That's like hmm, very <laughs> Very interesting. Um, there's an idea instead. Let's do Canyons and the Entourage movie for highs and lows. Will Jesus Christ! You're gonna have to. I don't know if I can. <laughs> which no. would be the high and which would be the low in that in that scenario? That is a that is a night where we would just have to set up a table to sell hard drugs to get everyone ready. <laughs> hey, they can't say what you want about Paul Schrader. He didn't put. He didn't create a meta movie inside his movie about an adaptation of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, where Dr. Jekyll's a DJ and he ejects himself in the booth and becomes Hyde. That's so <laughs> sick. Actually, you don't know that. Maybe the movie that is being talked about in this is actually that movie. We don't see That's any of it. We don't really yeah. hear any of the details. So maybe it actually is that. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, there were as many people there as there were when I saw it opening day. It was literally me and a guy who dragged his girlfriend there. And I could just hear her being like, oh, my God. (laughs) And I'm just like zonked out of my mind being like, this is what I wasted an afternoon doing. (laughs) I wasted a dummy to sit in this movie by myself. (laughs) And like, yeah, anyway. Um um, I wanted to ask if you uh, are interested in talking about it. Part of uh, your piece, too, that blew my mind when I was reading about it was when you talk about the fact that uh, growing up, spending a lot of time on Tumblr, that you knew more who James Dean was rather than big actors. I think you mentioned Al Pacino and someone else. That you knew who James Dean was before that. Yes. I'm just so curious about the experience of seeing this this movie with that knowledge because i didn't know i'd never heard of james dean until this movie got announced and they mentioned it i didn't know who he was i had no i had i was not a no porn terrified me okay when i was a youngster i was very scared of all of it um yeah and still pretty much so at that point i had started watching like you know golden age things but as far as like content driven pornography i had not really seen any and what i had terrified me so i didn't know who james dean was at all um but yeah truly i'm just so curious like what <laughs> experience was like yeah um it's i mean looking back on it now it's like totally bizarre and and uh it, and probably should not have been the case at all um <laughs> <laughs> but um you know i mean like my parents didn't know what really how the internet worked or whatever. So I had like unlimited access, right. As like a kid, I think I started watching porn when I was like 10 or something. And, um, James Dean was just like, he, he was the most popular porn star at the time. Um, along with 
like his his girlfriend Stoya. That was like the power couple. Um, Remember Captain Stabbing? No, who's what's that? We'll move on. (laughs) She was a captain who had a boat. Oh, what was he? he (laughs) Really? Yeah, but he was called Captain Stabbing. I mean, that's a great name. Yeah, we'll talk about it after we can. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like before, I knew like who classic Hollywood actors were, or um, you know, anything like that by name. I knew like who James Dean was, and you know, could recognize him. And um, and in like the Tumblr, the golden age of Tumblr era, there were like teenage girls there was a a fandom of teenage girls and um they had like blogs dedicated to james dean and they were they were called deenagers and (laughs) and uh yeah it was it was it was a thing and um which it's just like looking back now it's like oh my god there's this following of underage girls who, you know, spend their time uh, watching this guy fuck on screen and, you know, dedicate their time to um, posting about that and and thinking about it and fantasizing about it. And and it's it it's kind of unreal. And I think that um, James Dean himself actually has like a lot of you know, besides the sexual assault stuff, um, guilt about like that in particular, he actually launched like a campaign, um, for, uh, uh, harsher like age restrictions surrounding porn, um, access on the internet, um, a few years ago, which is interesting given his history with sexual assault didn't do anything about that but but yeah. the teenagers he's got to tackle that i can see uh, it i can see him getting a call from his agent saying <laughs> we gotta do something yeah yeah i mean so it's uh yeah it was it was interesting like i don't know like i guess i mean there was like you know, hustler and playboy and all of that. And I guess maybe there were like fan loose fandom surrounding like playgirls and stuff before this kind of social media era. But I think that um, there's something like really distinct in just the accessibility, um, particularly to uh women who are going who are just actively discovering their sexuality and and being kind of well I don't want to say fed but being exposed to this very specific type of pornography that was just like all over the internet which James Dean did he was I mean he was rough he did BDSM he was you know he was never he he was never in a soft porn it was it was very very hardcore very um dominating um and i think that uh you know that's something that that goes hand in hand with the canyons uh with just how kind of uh overtly sinister um it it becomes uh with his persona and 
I guess the accessibility to, you know, his, his thousands of pornographic films. Yeah. I think you really see that come through on that scene uh, when they're about to, when they're drinking the tequila and they're about to have the first guy over. Yeah. Like she tries to, in one point, like, delude herself into that she's having a good time with this particular scenario by being like why don't you go get the door and then he has to throw it back like you go get it and it yeah it it it, it, with what you're saying it kind of makes sense with kind of like what maybe young girls in this case would have thought of James Dean is like oh I want to be I want him to be in control I want him to say these things but then when he does do it it rings as like oh that's like that just sounds like shitty. Like that you just sound right. like a shitty dude. And so it, it walks a thin line between the fantasy of a porn performer and like what that would actually be like in person. Because those well, I'm not gonna get in my personal life on this thing, but let me just say some of those scenes are extremely on the nose of like like being I don't know, being around like a couple of strangers that you know you're about to like jump in bed with. Like there's a weird perfect anxiety that he captures there that I don't know if that's Schrader. I, I, I wonder if that's more Brett Easton than Schrader, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's really like a perfect storm with everybody. Cause they're yeah. all, again, like I think everyone's truly bringing their experience to this. And I imagine that like, obviously James Dean has been in lots of situations like this, but I imagine Lindsay also ended up in a lot of really weird shitty spots spots that she didn't want to be in being a child actor and then continuing on in hollywood so i imagine i i I just i don't know if there was that much direction in those scenes i feel like they were like we've got it just turn the camera on paul you know like i I don't know and they and they feel sinister but not in a way that like the situations themselves are sinister it's more just like who's controlling these situations because so i'll be honest Sex is a, just a fun thing to do with whoever you need involved. But there is a true sinister nature to like that she has no say mm-hmm. in this. Yeah. And obviously, that's literalized with the, the weird Gus Van Sant scene. <laughs> yeah. I saw Gus Van Sant here. <laughs> Which, do you know who it was supposed to be originally, though? Yeah, it was Defoe, right? Yeah, it was Willem Defoe, but he was out of town. And so apparently Schrader asked, I forget the other dude who helped make this, and Prudy's name, but like one of the other producers, he was like, Who which friends do you have? And he was like, Gus Van Sant will do it. <laughs> Makes it feel more like an entourage episode. <laughs> Pretty sure Gus Van Sant's popped up in that show too. So he just must be around. Yeah, after Steve Trees bombed, you know, he's ready to well maybe they were maybe they were shooting the goodwill hunting joke scenes for Jan's Silent Bob two or three or whatever the fuck and they called him they were like you want to recreate another part of goodwill hunting with us <laughs> thank you for bringing up Jay and Silent Bob <laughs> hey, you brought up entourage I can bring up my boys <laughs> fine yeah. something something I do want to say about like the pornographic aspect is that I think there's it creates another kind of surface to dive into this this i think this film has 
I don't know, so many uh, layers of performance and so many layers of kind of this Hollywood sheen that's being cracked little by little by little. And I think that um, like, like you were saying, like Paul, it seems like Paul Schrader just turned the camera on and, and they went for it and, um, and they did acted however they were in at that moment. And I think that there's, uh, there's a sense that, um, that there's these, uh, I don't know, very personal performances that they're putting on um, in their everyday life, possibly um, that are kind of bleeding through into this film um, that I think is rather interesting. Oh, it's amazing. That's why it hit me so hard. This rewatch too, because it'd been a couple of years and like, I've always loved it, but it's never hit me that hard before, but it's exactly that. Cause you just, the more you look, the more you sit with it, you know, the more shit comes. And even like the, I hadn't thought about this before either during that scene when her and uh, um, Christian's assistant are meeting for lunch that we talked about a little before the way they shoot that on that corner, you know, it's a famous like restaurant because of that insane fucked LA intersection, like all of them are, but that yeah. fucking moment when they're just talking. And if, you know, if you're watching a different movie, that truck is about to slam into them, but that's literally where that lane is. Like if you sit at that restaurant, the truck, you could touch them as they go by. And that's an incredible way to frame that. Like these cars just barreling towards them, but you know, they're supposed to be there just going on their way. Like it, there's, I don't know. I feel like you could truly go moment by moment and just dig forever. With this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's some, that maybe that's uh, a benefit of kind of the more stilted performances. Cause I do think it creates a density with the movie that isn't as easy to like crack on first viewing. And I think it definitely takes like, I think it definitely takes probably watching it now outside of the, all the, the hullabaloo of when it came out, because I mean, I'm sure we all were the only people defending it in our friend groups. I mean, I, <laughs> Yeah. I I I was called horrible names for that, <laughs> you know. So and I stood and I stood my ground because, like, as much as I thought the movie was kind of like super interesting and did not need the derisions it received when it came out, now I'm like I should have backed it even harder because it truly like like it 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 says so much more than most movies of its kind ever will and like we were saying about los angeles los angeles breathes in this movie but not in the way like that it feels very attractive it feels very hollow like their house that fucking house is one of the ugliest goddamn houses i have ever seen and like the offices they walk into with all that hard steel and iron and mm -hmm. It does feel like it is we've, we've we're looking at the hollowed out insides of like Hollywood and we're placing it with apparently these two things that young people coming up were exposed to Lindsay Lohan, apparently, and James Dean. The, what, what were the what was the name for? Teenagers. Teenagers. Good Lord. <laughs> What's That's so, that is so brutal. I'd never heard of that until uh, I read your article. That yeah. was very bizarre we got to interview some of these teenagers other than olivia but we got to get one who went to <laughs> like to taylor swift we like 
from teenagers to Swifties. Right, if, right. Yeah. What if Taylor Swift was a teenager? Oh, I could see it. See yeah. it. Let's speculate on Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Open that book up. Oh, there's actually. When do you think Taylor? When do you think we're going to see Taylor Swift being cast in her version of uh, the Canyons? Oh God, hopefully never. Yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> no <agree>. presence. <laughs> well, that's true. Christine has a presence. At least Lindsay has a presence. Taylor, no presence. She Lindsay also, I don't think, has the ability to be genuine. Yeah. <laughs> no. Right? On yeah. any level, I don't think Taylor Taylor Swift can do a genuine thing mm-hmm. in front of the camera. No, I think that's the the problem that people see with Lindsay is like they wish she probably would put on more of that bullshit front, but she really never has. No. And that's why it it really it hits hard to anytime you even go back and just watch some of the stuff at the varying points in her career. Cause that's what I was thinking of too while I was watching Canyons. I was like, she's been this way the whole time. Like she was that vulnerable and that open and that unable to like shut down, you know, what was going on, which some, I guess, would say means you're not good at acting. But, you know, I don't think that's the case here. <laughs> Vulnerableness is the best way to talk about her performance, because you see it even in like, uh, like I told you, well, I recently rewatched Mean Girls again. When you a movie you think you've seen and then you watch it and you're like, damn, that's it's a pretty fucking good movie. And <laughs> it is. I'll try. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you should rewatch it again. And I am. I'm gonna try. I want to. Like, I want to thing. like Mean Girls. I just, I've never have. But maybe it's time. <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah, she's extremely vulnerable in that movie. All and, all her movies. Yeah, and it's like it, it's kind of brilliant to see that Paul Schrader was able to like really like capture that like i don't know how i wonder how she feels about this movie now yeah i'd be curious to know as well um i know i mean i know filming it like she and paul they they clashed a lot but i think that they also formed like a really strong bond as i mean i you would probably have to, you know, going through going through what everyone was going through at this time, you know, Paul and Brett. And I mean, they were so broke. And then, you know, having to wrangle Lindsay and her, what she was also going through. Um, yeah, I, it's it's interesting. I mean, hearing some of the stories on set, it's like, I don't I did. Do you guys know about the the foursome scene? Have you heard that story? No. Okay, so Lindsay was, she was super upset and she didn't want to do the foursome scene and um, she didn't want to get naked in front of the camera. Like she, she was just, uh, I guess, disgruntled that day, something. It was, it was just really upsetting for her. And it took, I don't know, hours, but Paul Schrader stripped down to his underwear and said all I'll, you know, get naked with you and and we'll shoot the scene. And she did it. Um, and like, that insane move is just like <laughs> so, it, it, I don't know, it captures kind of, I don't know, there's something, there's, there's, there's kind of like this, I don't know, underlying paternal instinct with Schrader in the movie, in my opinion, and where he's 
he's really endeared by by Lindsay and 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 I think he senses her power as an actress and her vulnerability and um wants to keep that intact as much as possible um throughout the film and I think he does a great a great job um and uh yeah I think that story is just kind of captures like wow this this, this weird um bond that they have yeah, I it makes sense too story, the yeah. way he the way he uses Dean in the movie, I think, is very smart also, but it is it couldn't be more night and day, right? Because he's clearly like, this dude will be great at being a piece of shit. Let's <laughs> and then with Lindsay, it's very yeah, even just the way the camera is looking at her. I think <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah really, there's more, more going on here. It made me think of too the not the same level, of course, because she doesn't really get much of a character, but when Tiffany Haddish was in Card Counter, uh, she did an interview about her and Paul fighting when she got the job, but how grateful she was. Because mm-hmm. I guess I guess he said to her, like, when they first started running through, he was like, stop fucking singing. Stop it. You're, oh, being, right. yeah. you're being a performer. Stop singing. This is dialogue. What are you doing? And she was like, what are you talking about? And they went back and forth and, like, fought it out. But now she's like, he's the best dude ever. Cause he saw that I could give a real performance and just kept going till I got it, you know? And mm-hmm. that's, that's why we're still talking about this dude and his small movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We love, we love the guy. Um, what do you think Paul Schrader's penis looks like? <laughs> I don't, I, I think I, I would guess probably like unremarkable. Really, I would say I would say he's got a he's got a good one on him. He's got a strong hog? you know what he's working with. Hater <laughs> with the hog. Interesting. <laughs> I'm gonna go yeah, somewhere in the But I would pay like I would pay obscene amounts of money if there were a, a production photographer on this movie to get a picture of Schrader holding this little shitty digital camera in his underwear shooting that foursome scene. I would pay so much for that. Oh, yeah, you know what's funny? It, it it struck me, Will, when we saw uh, the latest one, Master Gardener. We made a joke. I know that now seems stupid, unlike <laughs> most of our jokes. No. <laughs> yeah, which normally land perfect. But <laughs> we were talking about how it's like how lately his like understanding of sex seems like more juvenile, mm-hmm. which might be true. But it's like not in it, this one. Not in this one, and also not really before. I mean, the gigolo, comfort of strangers, yeah. Uh, how he mocks like um, sexual like fear with hardcore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 interesting that you know he seemed to really like drill into these like these aspects about sexuality that most Hollywood films don't bother to go into. I mean. Who else is going to take cat people, take this great Turner classic, and then just be like, I'm going to make a anxiety, horny movie that like is just you feel like claustrophobic from the amount of horniness emanating from that. (laughs) So maybe just a truly horny dude and knew how to like channel it back then. Yeah. I think that maybe his... I don't what what did you say sexuality is immature is that what you said yeah like juvenile like there's juvenile? Be, okay yeah. yeah 
I, I think maybe that that uh, I, I totally agree with you. And I think maybe that kind of goes into his more. I don't know, his broader him kind of opening up into broader views of like love um, where I think maybe sex was um, used in his films more as like a tool or an act of demonstration as opposed to an act of, of, of love, which it is in the map in master gardener, which um, yeah that that was like a, a very strong deviation um from his other sex scenes or other views of sexuality in his films um and i think it does kind of maybe um get pared down almost to i don't know a childlike view of what sex is which is you know a a caring act a demonstration of love as opposed to um something you use yeah because i think about like that how the movie that kind of signaled that direction was probably like um first reformed with the uh the sex scene and that which i remember seeing it with paul schrader in attendance at the music box and it was very disheartening to hear people laugh at it oh that's beautiful it is and but it 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 is it is a certain vulnerable scene because it is like risking looking kind of ridiculous but like how else is a motherfucking like priest gonna view sex mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially know? a priest that dramatic yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> like melodramatic rather but i think yeah he's a all dramatic kind of bitch now. that fucking priest well, <laughs> well i think that whole trilogy i hadn't see we yeah we're idiots that we didn't think of this before but i'm glad we're talking about it now but i think maybe it's just that trilogy because that's what he's talking about because it's these fucking insanely dramatic dudes who just can't help themselves by taking a breath about anything. And so, of course, the sex would be viewed that way in this very pure, young, you know, kind of way, because they're pure. These people are pure feeling in those movies. All those boys only function fully on id, you know, mm-hmm. like all okay. these lonely men. Because I was th- I'm thinking about like Adam Resurrected also, which like is really good at being steamy as fuck. Those the those sexual scenes are weird, but they're uncomfortably hot. Like, you know, like Schrader knows how to make sexy stuff if he wants to. So I think maybe I just feel like an idiot and I missed the point in Master Gardener. Now that we're talking about it, <laughs> we have a bunch of chuckleheads sitting behind us too. That I that's true. We were trying not to get upset at the audience. Oh, during during Master Gardener, yes. Oh, god, it was, yeah, it was really. I just I went into it not expecting the laughter, and it like really unnerved me because it's, I mean, it's such a it's just straight sincere. That film is pretty much straight through just sincerity, earnestness, and I was just like, yeah, it, it was kind of uncomfortable the audience reaction um and and it's definitely something that i remember about my viewing experience i've only seen it the one time and um yeah i don't know Pe- people are weird people are strange they they don't like feeling things nope no well yeah i mean well given the kind of group of uh let's just say certain male persuasion I saw in abundance at that attendance that day, you know, 
Yeah. You know, the kind of crowds you draw will, you know, <laughs> farty beard dudes. Yes. Uh, I have a feeling my, far- that- my farty straight boys, <laughs> these poor confused men. Oh. <laughs> I want to buy them all hand jobs, but I think I, I don't no, they'll be okay. They're all se- they're all secretly bisexual, and that's my long game here. Is I'm slowly but surely unlocking their bisexuality, pansexuality in some cases, and they'll get there. We'll get them. Only matter of time. There's so many of those dudes that I know when they come up. Like they they'll talk to both of us, but they'll brace past me, and I can tell they're they're wanting to ask you about your hog size. Will like some of them have <laughs> some of them have. Are, you know, their eyes are filled with cum for you. So. <laughs> I'll tell them the same thing I said about Schrader. Unremarkable. So it's fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you should just say too thin. It's too, too thin. And that's all I'll say. <laughs> Wait, I have to, real quick. It's relevant to you since we're talking about sex things. I just can't go p- blow past my favorite uh, in that foursome scene what the that gross dude to the casting of like the fourth guy or the second guy i guess rather is yeah. so on point of like that oh you know oh that dude does not wash his butt at <laughs> all for sure well, yeah, yeah you know what i mean he's yeah. that kind of dude he's like no it's gay if you wash your butt right right yeah can't touch <laughs> that it yeah. but his tattoo across his chest that says thy will be done yeah yeah hilarious perfect 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 oh my god <laughs> no literally perfect and also that first guy yeah he oh. fits that role so perfectly yeah. you know yeah. that's you I can feel like that guy had to be one of and see that guy 20 times pop up on the field <laughs> profiles <laughs> it's true and i loved you that schrader like yes it was eventually when we all had to see that you know on blu-ray because they had to take it out for theatrical. But I love that Schrader was like, we need to see him actually masturbating to start this scene, which is great. Yeah, It's so and he, good. And he would do it overhand too, you know, that movie. <laughs> I was like, brother, you are so perfect. This is the guy, this guy has so many soy face photos in his like, you know, he likes music, he's a big fan of music, cocktails. It, it, Wait, it, should we... For the, I feel like our final exercise, we should all, we, what, what kind of music does that guy listen to? That first guy. (laughs) But like just the singles, like he just, what did you say? Fallout boy. Like he just had, yeah, yeah, yeah. 21 pilots or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Panic at the disco. He's just got the singles. (laughs) Never listened to the albums, but he's got all of those. And now he's like code switching probably. Now he's like, he would be like, I like Doja Cat. (laughs) <laughs> if I can get a crumb of pussy, I love Doja Cat. <laughs> Holy shit! Wow, I have, that's a whole ass category though, from Fallout Boy to Doja Cat. That kind of dude. Wow. Hey, while we're on, I'm gonna see where this guy ended up. Let's see if he's listed. He, I assume like he looks like he was like a, you know, like tossed aside failed porn star to me. And yeah. I assume he like brought somebody with him. Maybe it was that kid. I could be wrong, but he looks like such a like tragic porn star. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can, can you speak to that? Has he been in any like bang bus? Episodes, <laughs> or? I don't recognize him by by image. 
he kind of looks like one of the kids in Boogie Nights that they bring in, like after you know the stars, the, the guy who's yeah. video <laughs> switching to digital. He's like, yeah, yeah, these are the next big ones. <laughs> yeah, maybe this kid just like does, he's he's around for inserts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, he's. Oh wait, I found him. Here we go. What's his name in real life? Danny Wilde. Yeah, it is. Oh yeah, a former pornographic <laughs> actor. Oh, he was a porn okay. star. Nailed Knew it. it. Oh, Knew it. wow. Okay, nice. He just his posture, wow. everything. Well, and also, John, what you called out the overhand for the beginning yeah. of that scene because that's a you know that's what you're supposed to do in those wonderful wonderfully made movies. <laughs> yeah, that that would be my like Jacques Rivet style article about one motion, but it's not about a Fritz Long film. It's about this guy like overhand jacking. <laughs> yeah no he's 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 had a very uh uh let's see he's been active in opposing major b which requires all porn stars to wear condoms during vaginal and anal scenes he was opposed or or in let me me (laughs) he opposed it yeah he opposed opposed it it. oh my god yeah Wow. How do you how do we feel about that? How do we feel about raw dogging? In, like in, in, in porn? pornography? I, 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 <laughs> I was like, that's a this is a this is a, a getting even weirder than our normal show if you're asking that question. <laughs> he was in music videos for a band called Children. Oh children with two eyes. Yep. That's cool. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. like waves when he had two V's. That's so <laughs> sick. I'm gonna, this is going to be the rest of the day. I'm going to be looking up. The whole <laughs> wild. Oh, well, since we've lost John. Yeah. That's the part that we won't forget. Would you like to talk about outside of everyone should go and read this article, um, yeah. which is on your sub stack and it's called tell me something do you really like movies on paul schrader's the canyons at 10 years old and the james dean gaze yes. um i like a it long goes time. like a lot uh more into some of the things we touched on and it's great so everyone read that okay. but w- what um other things do you have coming up in life so uh if this is coming out before saturday um oh, along happens. with your sorcerer screening you should stick around um for i don't know nine more hours or whatever (laughs) until midnight which is when i'm presenting um another encore screening of sex world the anthony spinelli um 70s uh westworld riff porn riff at music box and that'll be fun and uh oh god just i guess i'm always writing different stuff find me on social media uh, at you can find me on Instagram at little bird live. And then on Twitter at little bird live, just small Ooh, differentiation so there. One's little and the and one's little, little, little. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <all right. laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah. Perfect. Yay. And also everyone truly that the first sex world screening, the vibes were off the charts. It was like genuinely a very, uh, lovely and surprising um, experience just to feel uh, how that room felt. It was awesome. People it was were very, very and very open and interested and actually like, you know, 
not being lame and watching. No, it. yeah, people took it. Put, people took it seriously. They they laughed when they were supposed to. It was it was lovely. Um, yeah, lovely screening. So so come out and we'll create the vibe again. Hopefully, sorcerer and sex world. It's a perfect yeah. day. Catch me at coal fire all day. <laughs> hit, we'll hit all the strips on Southport. We'll go to tunes. We'll hit coal fire. John will just be at coal fire by himself, like hunched over a computer researching this kid, listening to Fallout Boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, he has a website too, which I will check out. Oh man! Yeah. The, yeah, as soon as this ends, I'm immediately getting on the website. I have to. Well, we know he did porn, so now we can watch Danny Wild porn. There we go. Can you, so, can, you can you toss the Danny Wild clip in front of Sex World? <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah, the projectionist would love that probably. An additional <laughs> thing at, at a midnight show too. That would be. I love it. Yeah, we'll just add it. Look, I'm just gonna tell Music Box sorry that uh turns out our free contribute video wasn't actually done. There's gonna be like a Fight Club style flash at the end of this kid. So, yeah, I was not standing over Will's shoulder dictating anything about an edit. Like more Danny Wild, put more Danny Wild in there. Get his dick in there. Well, I, anyway, I know it. We'll uh, <laughs> up, but um, Olivia, thanks for coming by and talking the canyons with us. Thank you. This was delightful. Well, anytime if you want to come talk shit about anything. Okay, I'll be here. <laughs> want to talk shit on maybe if you find yourself at a neighboring theater in that's not the music box you want to talk shit on that place and what they do you're more than welcome to come on and do that okay for sure i love that yeah <laughs> <laughs> well we'll see y'all uh we'll see y'all next time for more fucking just rank up <laughs> yeah get ready all right bye, bye friends all right. bye thank bye. you guys I watch the walls around me crumble But it's not like I won't build them up again So here